All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is uh, indeed time for the Global Threat Report, uh, sponsored by, of course, uh, Global uh, Threat uh, Solutions. Global Threat Solutions uh, is a 100% military veteran-owned security investigations firm. Global headquarters are right here on Long Island in Suffolk County. Also offices uh, in New York City, Miami, L.A., overseas, Frankfurt, and uh, Mumbai. And, of course, Global Threat Solutions CEO, the captain, uh, Ken Bombay. Over 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience serving as a military intelligence officer in the Middle East. This company provides just so much, so many services, for peace of mind in uncertain times. Check out the website, globalthreatsolutions.com. Also host of the Captain's Brief on Saturday mornings right here on LA News Radio beginning at uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, the aforementioned Captain Cap, welcome. we got uh, two fronts to concentrate on. Uh, Israel, the uh, largest incursion since this war began uh, happening overnight into this morning already over there. And, of course, uh, what has uh, happened in Maine and still going on in Maine as far as the manhunt trying to catch a killer uh, of all places in the state of Maine where only 29 homicides took place uh, over a year. And uh, we think over 2022 could be as many as 22 killed uh, last night over this incredible senseless rampage welcome welcome let's start in maine first we'll end in israel give me a sense all the experience and everything going on here uh what enforcement is going through right now in the state of maine welcome go ahead my friend morning jay thanks for having me on yeah you know it almost seems like it's been a little too quiet we've been focused so much on israel recently and it seems for a while it was like a a mass shooting a week and now it seems that but it, w- it was almost too quiet and now we have this and this is a bad one jay so this took place in lewiston maine and they've confirmed at least i've heard different reports 16 confirmed and 22 confirmed dead but an interesting number is there's reports of 60 injured which I think would uh, support the idea that this person has some formal military training and is a firearms instructor. That's why these numbers are so high. There's a person of interest. They have this 40-year-old Robert Card of Bowdoin, and uh, this person's still at large. And that's what's critical right now is that this person's still out there because the it, it's, there's two things going on here at the same time, Jay. Parallel, there's an investigation. And there's this tactical operation to try and bring this person to justice, who's obviously very considered very dangerous right now. So they are trying. They've already started the investigation, the preliminary investigation. They've identified him. We have the vehicle, a white Subaru, um, out back with the black bumper. Everyone, they have that vehicle. Subject still at large, very dangerous. People are on lockdown. Schools are shut down. And this could be exhausting for enforcement, these, this stage of trying to this person to justice, get them in custody, um, especially for small jurisdictions, Jay, like, like Lewiston, where they have, I think, 80 police officers. So in cases like this, in these smaller jurisdictions, you often see the state police come in to assist. And in this case also, I think it's the Boston FBI office is, has lent support, too. So... What, what happens in these situations now is people are going to remain on high alert, lockdown. You're seeing reports people are carrying their own guns, their firearms, because Maine has very lo- very um, uh, loose firearms laws. Basically, if you're 18 and you're in the military reserves or 21 and older, you don't even need a permit to carry concealed or to carry open. 
in Maine. So there's a lot of people right now probably with firearms until this person's brought into custody. You know, Cap, you and I talk about mental health and uh, everything involved here. An individual who was being seen for a couple of weeks uh, as far as the facility for that, hearing voices, whatever it was. Uh, and a lot of people wonder, you know, how A, is, is he released with all the problems he's had and then getting his hands uh, on a uh, on a semi-automatic weapon of some sort, it seems. Uh, a lot of people wonder, well, how does this happen in this country? Uh, you know, everybody will kind of challenge again and think about the Second Amendment and whatnot. Uh, but you know what? In instances of this nature... You know, this is where you want to have uh, the right to defend yourself, your family, and everything else involved. But there's always a line to be drawn and whatnot here. Uh, that is always going to be the topic of conversation, Captain. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about how these incidents unfold. There's These perpetrators, Jay, they often do what they call collect grievances, or they feel they've been wrong. You know, these are things that occur in their life that, that a rational person would, would handle much differently, obviously not violently. Um, so they collect these grievances. It could be anything from they lost their job, they have problems with a supervisor at work, relationship issues, they were denied some kind of a benefit, and they build these things up in their mind, and then ultimately they snap, and we see these horrific incidents take place. That's usually what happens. Now, in this case, like you mentioned, this person not only had been complaining in the Army, saying that he has mental health issues and that he's hearing voices. But he also made a threat to conduct a mass shooting at a, a National Guard facility. So there were definitely red flags here. So then people would say, well, well, why wasn't something done? Now, we don't know the details of what, if anything, had been done. But I can tell you I've conducted so many of these types of threat investigations as an intelligence detective. And I was also tasked with training people and active shooter response. And I can tell you there are limited options for investigators leading up to these incidents. So let's say he made that threat. Did it reach the level of a crime? And if it did, I could tell you that's a minor crime. It's not something he's going to be kept in jail for a long period of time because you make a threat like that. So then what are your, uh, your other options would be that you get them evaluated in what we call an involuntary committal for a mental health evaluation. We used to do them right here at CPEP at Stony Brook. The problem is, Jay, I could tell you from personal experience, usually it's within 24 to 48 hours. Those people are released. They assess them, and they're released. They can't just hold them indefinitely. And there is no mechanism to keep those people in custody before they carry out an incident like this, uh, an attack like this. So, you know, now we're ultimately we're going to see this. Inevitably, we're going to see this debate where the Democrats want to ban assault rifles and more gun control laws. And Republicans will argue that the answer is not with guns and, and that doing the so would violate the Constitution. They'll say this is a people problem, not a gun problem. And we need yeah. better methods of identifying these people, preventing such incidents before they happen. It's like a vicious cycle. This is what we're going to hear now. No question. No question about it. Uh, you know, this could end one of three ways. A, suicide on his part. Uh, B, they take him into a custody alive or suicide by cop, basically getting into a shootout and losing his life. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. We had a firsthand account in the state of Maine from a friend of mine, Mr. Uh, Steve Hobbs, earlier, Cap. So, you know, basically tell us, telling us the landscape. Maine, very rural in nature, a lot of brush, a lot of woods, uh, and 50 miles or so uh, from 
uh, one of the big cities in Portland, Maine. Now, so we'll keep an eye on things in that regard, and hopefully, uh, this will turn out when all said and done without any more lives lost here. That is the key. So well, we'll keep an eye on things. The captain with us, Global Threat Report. Let's move to Israel as far as the largest incursion going on since this began, uh, Captain Bombay's. And, you know, you kind of sense that Israel, which will have a ground incursion, uh, it could be any hour, it could be any day. We know it's been on hold, uh, but we know that there are hostages involved here. Uh, you know, still, there are Americans involved here as far as, you know, just hundreds, hundreds of Americans trying to get out. Uh, and in essence, you got a lot in play here, but you get a sense the IDF uh, captain is uh, clearing the way for this uh, for this ground assault that uh, will occur at some point here. That's right. So the Israeli forces conducted this brief ground incursion in the Gaza Strip. Um, they, they, they went in and out, but they did use some tanks and infantry when they went in there. They have not yet reported on exactly what was accomplished or what the intent of this mission was, but it is, they say, just leading up to the full-scale um, ground offensive that will take place. So far, Jay, they say they've uh, Hamas-run health ministry claims that they have at least 6,500 Palestinians killed, 17,000 wounded, and of course we know 1,400 Israelis have been killed since October 7th. Um, and now, I don't know if you saw this, but they bumped up the hostage number. Now they believe it's 224 people, mm. and only four have been released so far. Uh, Jay, another thing is, the IDF has arrested a lot of people. Just yesterday in the West Bank, they made 60 arrests. 46 of those people were Hamas fighters. And ultimately, I mean, overall, since October 7th, they've arrested about 1,000 people, the IDF. So they're also going in and they're grabbing these high-value targets, people that they feel are going to um, be, a, you know, part of the Hamas fighters or resistance when they move into Gaza Strip. Uh, it's a couple other things, uh, reports I thought were interesting right now. Um, and one of them is, Jay, that they have, they say that they now have intelligence that these Hamas and the Islamic Jihad uh, had fighters trained by Iran, directly by Iran, before leading up to the attack on October 7th. And that's, that's something that everyone suspected, but there was no evidence of. And now Israeli intelligence is saying as many as 500 militants from Hamas and the allied group, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, participated in these exercises in September, which were led by officers, direct officers from the Quds Force in Iran. So that's that's really important because we all know Iran's behind this, but now that's just direct evidence of direct involvement. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, listen, the president made reference. He did a press conference, call it a press conference. He took, you know, when you're taking questions from a reporter at a PBS, you know, I mean, this is all scripted stuff. Uh, you didn't get any real tough questions. Did made reference to the Ayatollah over there in Iran. Um, but in, in essence, that's what we have going on right now. We got 33 Americans dead, 20 uh, on 14 uh, different occasions, uh, Cap. 14 occasions, I think three in, in Iraq, excuse me, 11 in Iraq, three in Syria, if memory serves correct, where you have had attacks on these U.S. air bases here, drone attacks. Uh, you know, it's it's still a very intense type of situation. Uh, you still have the Eisenhower, you have the Gerald R. Ford 
uh, stationed in the Mediterranean Sea uh, that are ready at a moment's notice here. So, uh, you know, you have Gallant, you've had Netanyahu make statements. You know, they are ready to go. It's just a matter of time. You still have the trickling of hostages uh, that have uh, been uh, let go to Americans. Uh, but, you know, this kind of a ploy by Hamas, you know, to kind of show a different side here when, in essence, you know, we know what the deal is uh, here. We know what the deal is. So Israel is going about its business right now. And you get a sense the United States has gotten in the ear and saying, listen, let's hold off a little bit here. Let's hold off possibility. Let's get the, you know, the, the uh, situations of planes and everything else in play here. Make sure we're fortified to the max. But I think Israel's doing the right thing as far as making sure they are not letting up as far as the incursion, and they are certainly creating a pathway uh, for the inevitable, which is a ground situation, Captain. Yeah, of course. And they're not letting anybody. They, of course, working closely with the U.S. We have people that are being held there, too. We had people who have been killed there. But the only delay that I've heard, there's one report of the Wall Street Journal saying that the Israel has agreed to delay the ground offensive just while the U.S. gets missile systems in place to protect U.S. assets in the region. But this is, like I, I said yesterday, days, not weeks, we're going to see. I think they're just finishing their training and equipping of their troops, their reserve forces. They're going to be moving in soon. Um, so that I thought was pretty interesting. Another thing I think, Jay, that we haven't really talked about is this refugee dynamic that we're seeing over there. Whereas you have countries like Egypt or Jordan who may support Palestine, but nobody, they're making it very clear they do not want their refugees. None of these countries bordering Palestine want any of these refugees coming to their countries. They know the risk that that brings with it. They know the problems that letting these people, hundreds of thousands of people possibly, bring with it. And you can't help but look at our southern border when you hear about this. These countries know that as much as they might be supportive of the people in Palestine, they want nothing to do with opening their border and letting these people flood in there right now. Yeah. And I thought that's an interesting dynamic. Cap, and that is still one of the more egregious parts of it, not only over there in the Rafah section uh, between uh, that neck of the woods, Gaza and Egypt, but certainly our southern border here, which is still open, uh, with all that is going on, it is unbelievable. Uh, the gates are open and everything else. It's just unbelievable. I don't know, I'm running out of words, basically, to, to describe. Uh, but I know you'll keep on top of things uh, today. A lot on the line as far as what occurs, what finally happens in Maine. And, of course, uh, over in the Middle East, a lot on the plate. And we'll bring you back tomorrow, my friend. I appreciate it. Great, Jay. I look forward to it. You got it for peace of mind in uncertain times. Check it out on the website, globalthreatsolutions.com. And, of course, the captain's brief Saturday mornings right here on LA News Radio.